you are welcome here. If you are a believer, a questioner, or a questioning believer, thank you for this powerful affirmation that in a community of faith, we are not all the same. Thank you for this reminder that the way God is at work in each of our lives is different. For some, through a strong and steady faith. For others, through wondering, explorations, even doubt. For others, through the combination of sometimes reluctant persistence and seeking new possibilities. Most of the psalms are songs of praise or lament. They are prayers lifted up to God. But others, like this one, are calls to worship. They are words directed to a congregation. Hearing the words of this psalm in the context of your church's words of welcome, I wonder how that long-ago congregation might hear these words. For the believers, what words of assurance the opening lines take as a given our faith in God and promise that because of this faith, no harm will befall us. What good news! But for the questioners, those who wonder whether God really is our refuge, do these words, which for others are comfort, invite uncertainty and distress? Does this song predict that without a strong bedrock of faith, disease and destruction will come our way? When I read this passage, I find myself a questioning believer. I love the idea of God as our haven. In the early days of the pandemic, my congregation and I took refuge in this passage where we could not dwell within the walls of our familiar sanctuary or within the warmth of each other's embrace. But this psalm's promises also make me uncomfortable. Could it really be that God's protection is limited to those who are sure they believe? Could it really be that a static certainty, one where you either know or you don't, is the thing that God cares about? in determining the reaches of divine mercy? Does God not care about who needs protection from harm? Because I'm pretty sure it's all of us. The idea of God as our refuge is one of the most sustaining that scripture has to offer. I have known people in significant physical pain who find healing in these words. I have known people who are forced to choose between overcrowded shelters and living on the street who find a safe place to dwell in these words. But I have also known people for whom these words negate their very real physical needs. I have seen how these words and others like them suggest that if only people trusted in God enough, 
their suffering would end and no harm would come to them. And so I wonder, where is God for those people? How does God's mercy and healing reach the people for whom words are not enough? As a questioning believer, I often hope that my wondering will lead me to faith. I find myself circling around the notion that God is not our refuge alone. We also find refuge in our places of physical shelter. Our homes, church sanctuaries, libraries, and schools. We also find refuge in our relationships. The people in our lives who bring us comfort and love and laughter and safety. God is not our refuge alone because God does not act alone. God acts through us as people and communities of faith to extend shelter to those around us. God acts through us to extend spiritual refuge and physical sanctuary to our neighbors. The phrase, the Lord is my refuge, is familiar to many, but the verse we read today offers a slight variation. You took the Lord as your haven. Though a small linguistic difference, the impact is significant. To take means we are no longer passive. We are not merely receiving as when the Lord is my refuge, but actively engaging, taking the Lord as haven, making the Lord our sanctuary. We do this every time we pray, every time we worship, every time we give God thanks for the gift of being alive. Through our acts of faith, we make God our refuge. But we aren't only called individual believers, called to dwell with God. We are also the church, called to make our earthly dwellings more like God's home. Throughout the scriptures, we get windows into what God's home is like. When we hear Bible stories over and over, when we engage that individual act of faith, we are better able to take on the collective act of bringing God's home to life. These windows help us see that God's home is a place where strangers are welcomed and where people are fed, no questions asked. Through the windows of scripture, we see that God's home is full of signs of life, Music and laughter, weeping and praying, cooking and sharing. In God's home, we are responsible for each other, and we take one another's needs seriously. We listen when someone shares their truth or tells us they need something. We rejoice with others in their rejoicing, and we grieve with them in their grieving. In God's home, we are accountable for our own actions, and we help clean up each other's messes, extending each other grace for the mistakes we make. 
You, First Congregational Church in Billerica, you know a thing or two about what God's home is like. And you know a thing or two about making your dwelling place more like God's. You know that in God's home, we take into account the effects our actions have on others. You know that we do not make decisions based only on what is easy for us. We consider the bigger picture, the larger whole. We wonder whether what is easy for us will make life harder for someone else. We take into account that what is inexpensive for us might be costly for another. So in God's house, we don't do the cheap, easy thing. We spend a little more for the recycled paper. We give over some of our property so that our neighbors can be fed. We take the time for difficult conversations so that our rooms are lit and heated with the power of the sun. As a questioning believer reading this passage, I wonder, what about the people for whom God's shelter is not enough? What about the people who need physical shelter from the ever-increasing extreme weather events of fire and flood, too much heat, and too many storms? What about the people for whom God's protection from harm is not enough? Those who need physical protection from the suffocating effects of pollution on their lungs. What about the people for whom God's prevention of disease is not enough? Those whose water pipes are full of lead or who are newly exposed to tropical diseases in their previously cool climate. Those people, of course, might find shelter in God's grace, but they must not find shelter with God alone. They, actually, we, also need the protection of infrastructure that is resilient to the effects of climate change. We also need the protection of clean air and clean water. We also need the protection of stopping and then reversing the forces that cause the climate crisis. You are making this earthly human community more and more like God's home. But as with our individual acts of faith, our prayers, and our reading of scripture, our collective acts of faith are not something we can do once and for all. Making our earthly dwellings more like God's home is a lifetime of work, generations of work. So on this day, when we celebrate your diligent efforts in becoming a green congregation, you may wonder what comes next. You may wonder if I will tell you what comes next. This is for you to decide. This is for you to discern as you listen to the needs of your neighbors, the gifts this community has to offer, and where God is calling you. But I will tell you that the world needs you. 
The world needs people of faith who are willing to raise our voices in all the places where decisions are made, at kitchen tables, in voting booths, and in boardrooms. The world needs people of faith who are willing to take into account the effects our actions have on others. For too often, what is cheap or easy for us is costly for another. The world needs people of faith who will use our gifts and resources for the good of all, even when it means giving something up. You know that it is a blessing to have your faith community made up of believers, questioners, and questioning believers. This has always been the case, but all the more so amidst climate crisis and environmental destruction. And so, believers, be a blessing by maintaining a faith that a livable future is possible. Proclaim your faith in a God who sustains us and wants all of creation to flourish, not only the rich and powerful. Believers, when the work is difficult, and you know it will be, we need you to tell us that God is by our side. Remind us of the good news that God welcomes the stranger and calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Even as the world shifts around us, don't let us forget the steady truth of the gospel. Questioners, be a blessing by asking the hard questions. Ask things that seem uncomfortable, and then ask again and again until something changes. Persist in asking whether we are loving our neighbors as ourselves, when we continue to burn fossil fuels and place polluting industry in poor neighborhoods. Keep asking whether we are welcoming the stranger when climate refugees show up on our shores and people in our own communities are displaced by rising sea levels. Ask, persist, keep asking. Questioning believers, be a blessing through your sense that another way is possible. Guide us through our difficulty of letting go of the past, for you have experienced such change in your own faith. Believe in the solutions politicians and scientists offer us, but don't be too sure. Keep pressing. Keep asking the hard questions to be sure that all are included in the safety of a future beyond climate change and environmental destruction. I leave you with this good news. The refuge of God's home here on earth is big enough for all of us. And we need all of us each of our unique gifts to get us there. May it be so. Amen.